What's up, everybody? Good morning. I'm Pastor Kevin. want to, first of all, welcome everybody watching us on Facebook Live and over in the family venue. Howdy. And also want to welcome all of our guests that might be worshiping with us today. I'm so glad that you're here today, and you're going to be glad you're here today because we're going to talk about sex. Um, with that in mind, we are in a series called XO, The State of Our Union. And so I want to, kind of, this is kind of like a fireside chat with Papa PK today. Um, we're going to have the talk. So are you, are you ready? <laughs> you might say like two people are like, okay, nervous laughter. Um, so why are we talking about sex in church? That's a great question, and, but I'm glad that you asked uh, because people think that's not appropriate to talk about this in church. And plus, my, some, my kids are in here. Look, they already know. So we're just going to tell them the truth today as opposed to the junk they've heard at school or wherever else. So um, I want to come alongside today and be like a guide in the sense of I want to guide you to the best sex possible, the best sex that's available for you. Um, if you're married, I want to coach you to Burn up the sheets. Light it up, baby. I'm talking about go to the next level. Some of you are like, man, as you're married, I'm like, man, I'd just like to have sex. Well, we're going to help you with that, too. We're going to coach you to have the best sex possible. If you're single, I want you to quit screwing up your life. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Quit self-sabotaging. Or if you are joyfully with patience waiting, I want to encourage you to keep up the good work because it will be worth it. Or maybe you're waiting patiently but not a lot of joy involved. I want to help you get some joy in your journey today because you'll see that it will be worth it. And if you've already blown it, you're like, well, I'm not a virgin. Um, I've already made mistakes or whatever. It's not necessarily about virginity. It's about purity. To the pure, all things are pure. If you are a virgin, whether you want to be or not, let me just commend you because you have a tremendous gift that, uh, for yourself and for your future spouse or mate. And so that is a sacred thing, and it is awesome. So uh, good for you. And you think, again, man, I, you're too late to have this talk with me. I've already messed up. It's not that you did it. It's just now that if you will submit it to God, and then you can have your best life possible. And that's what I want for you. So, <coughs> excuse me, um, you are the hero of your own story today. You're like Luke Skywalker, and I'm like Yoda. Okay, I'm going to teach you the ways of the force because I want you to um, succeed. I want you to enjoy life and life more abundantly, and it includes this part of your life. I will say right now that starting next Sunday, we will have, at 11 o'clock, we will have a junior high service available for our students in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Of course, we have stuff for kids. So uh, you definitely want to get your kids involved in that. Because next week, rumor is that my wife will be back with me on the stage, and we're going to talk about um, the secret to the greatest sex you've ever had. So uh, you don't want to miss that. And some of you are like, no, I do want to miss that. No, no, you don't. I promise you don't want to miss it. 
You don't, you don't, I want you to have a sex life that works. Okay, um, so does the Bible have anything to say about sex? There's a lot to say. One of the first things is when God, he says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. That was not an agrarian assignment. Okay, that was not an exhortation in gardening. Be fruitful and multiply. He was telling them in the words of Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. Okay? So, I was thinking as I was rewriting this message yesterday, I was also remembering why I don't write my messages on Saturday anymore. It's very stressful because, you know, Sunday morning is on the way no matter what. And so uh, I thought, well, I answered these questions. What do I want you to know? What do I want you to know? And so here's the first thing I want you to know. And, th and this is what I want you to take with you when we're done today. But what I want you to know is that sex is like a fire. Yep. And all the happily married men said, <laughs> one guy. <laughs> and that's why we're having this talk. <laughs> And why I want you to know that sex is like a fire is because it will either warm your life or burn everything you love to the ground. Because sex is like a fire. I want you to know that God invented sex. It was his idea. Uh, not the devil's idea. So don't be fooled to think that you have to go over to the dark side to enjoy the really good stuff because the really good stuff is God's way I'll say my mic sounds a little boomy I don't know if y'all hear it out there if it's just me but if it's not bothering you then it's fine but what I want you to know is that sex will warm your life or turn everything you love into ashes God invented sex so let's go to him because he knows more about it than anybody so we should talk about it in church. Uh, oh, and if you want to know why we're talking about sex in church, um, I'll give you several reasons, but here's just an, another one. I've, I, in my research, um, in my research, I found that the most sexually diseased city in America is Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, per capita, it's Montgomery. That's not very far away. Uh, I also discovered that the most sexually satisfied women, uh, as far as country is concerned, are the Danish women, the Great Danes. And the second most satisfied are American women. And they got this number from, I don't know how they figured this out, but how many minutes on average men spend satisfying their woman? So, guys, if we just worked a little harder, we could be number one. Let's go. Come on. And all the women said. All right. So, um, I also discovered that the, uh, the ten cities in America that are the least sexually satisfied, um, number three was Birmingham, number five was Montgomery. I'm glad I live in Mobile. It did not make that list. So, And if you're from Birmingham or Montgomery, we know why you moved here, so welcome. <laughs> Things are only getting better from here. So uh, there, uh, 
survey says that the most sexually satisfied people on the planet are not single people that are out there having sex. They're not gay people um, that are having sex. It's not um, any other category. It is married people, heterosexually married people have the best sex. Now, of the heterosexual married people that have the best sex, survey says that it's Christian married people that have the best sex. Come on, give Jesus a praise right now up in the house. So why, why do they have the best sex? Because that stuff is anointed. <laughs> God's like, I'm going to bless that. So you want to have the best sex? I'm just telling you. Uh, get saved and get married. I should give the altar call right now. You've never given your heart to Jesus. <laughs> That's a good reason to give your heart to Jesus. All right, so... What do I want you to do? So what I want you to know, sex is like a fire. Why I want you to know that is because it will either warm your life or turn your life to ashes. What do I want you to do? I want you to have sex God's way. Why? Because that's the best sex available. Now, I mean, if you're going to drive a car, you might as well drive a nice one. I don't smoke cigars, but if I was going to smoke one, I'd figure out what the best was and smoke that, right? I mean, if you're going to wear clothes, you might as well wear Prada or whatever you like. I'm just making stuff up now. I don't know about fashion. You have to ask my sons. They're the fashion guys. But my point is, is that if you're going to have sex, you might as well have the best sex that's available on the planet. So I want you to have sex God's way, and I want you to have more sex with your spouse. In fact, if you're married, your homework assignment is, <coughs> well, I think you know what it is. So do your homework. At home, I mean, it's probably the best place to do that, but whatever. Um, if you're single or married, I want you to keep the fire in the fireplace. So I have an actual photograph of my fireplace at home, and this is where I've taught my boys how to build a fire and the proper way to build a fire. So if they're on a camping trip, they go to somebody else's house. In fact, at winter camp, uh, they said, hey, Garrison, do you happen to know how to build a fire? And he goes, as a matter of fact, I do. And he built the fire in the fireplace there at camp. And so this fire provides light in our, in our family room. It provides warmth. It provides ambiance, a little romance. It, you can roast a marshmallow. You can cook over this fire. Um, it's, there's a lot of positive benefits to this fire. Now, if I called and said, hey, boys, I'm on my way home. It's a cold winter day. I want you to build a fire. And then I got pulled up in the driveway, and I'm like, what's, what's burning? And then I walked inside, and the boys were like, Dad, we built a fire on the, on the dining room table. How many know that fire is good as long as, what? It's in the fireplace. There's a place you put fire for the fire to be a benefit and a blessing. But whenever you put that fire somewhere it doesn't belong, what happens? Devastation. So it's not that God doesn't want you to have sex. He does. He invented it. He made it good. And he wants you to have a lot of it, but he wants you to keep it in its proper place so that it warms your life instead of destroys your life. 
It's why we don't give five-year-olds the keys to the Corvette. It's not that we don't want them to drive or enjoy transportation. We want them to not kill themselves or hurt somebody else. We want them to have a license to drive. And then there's still guidelines and boundaries that keep us all safe on the roadways, right? And still accidents and stuff happens, but the police officer is there to serve and protect. He's there for our safety, whether you believe that or, or like that or not. And it's best if you wear a seatbelt and, and sorts of, those sorts of things. So sex is awesome, just like Corvettes are awesome, but it has to be stewarded properly if you're going to enjoy it long term. I don't know about you, I don't want to just get in a race where I go 300 miles an hour, I go across the finish line, woo, and then I run into a telephone pole, and I'm dead. I mean, that was fun, but for a minute, I want to be in a lot of races, you know. I want to have round track races and drag races and, you know what I'm saying? I want to have a lot of sex with my wife over a long period of time. So why do you need to know this? Um, there's lots of reasons. I'm trying to think of one that's not in my notes. One reason you need to know this is that, well, we'll talk about this more next week, but less than half of married women globally enjoy their sex life. So uh, we, we, want, we want mama happy. We'll talk about that more next week, Okay. Uh, and, and we'll get into some details about that. So again, make sure your kids are in the kid ministry. But we're talking talk about from a biblical perspective. Um, so I did a little research, and 71% of African-American children have had a sexual encounter by or before the age of 19. 57% of Latino children have, or Hispanic children have had a sexual encounter by or before the age of 19, and 50% of white children. Couldn't find any information on the Asians. I'm sorry, you guys are just secretive. I'm sorry, I'll keep it to yourself. So, But I will say that I did discover that the number one most sexually frustrated country in the world is Japan. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on or not going on over there, but, but uh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so why do you need to know this? Here's three purposes of sex. I don't know all the purposes of sex. I'm not a sexpert. Uh, well, I mean, I am when it comes to one woman. <laughs> I mean, I'm an expert. <laughs> I know all the ins and outs. I'm going to make my children blush again. Um, but, but I wouldn't necessarily be an expert with another woman because I'm not anointed for that woman. And every woman is different. Every woman is like a safe that has her own secret combination. And there's only one man anointed to crack the code. And that's her husband. So the best sex you'll ever have is with your husband or with your wife. Period. Say, well, that's not my experience. You ain't doing it right. Say, how do you know? Because you just said it ain't the best you've ever had. When you do it right, you'll be like, oh, man, you're right. That was awesome. Everything else pales in comparison. My hope is that you don't have anything else to compare it to, but that's probably wishful thinking, so I'm going to tell you how to get it right now. How do you move forward from here? And I know you're interested in this, because you knew what I was talking about today, and you showed up anyhow. 
three purposes of sex. Number one is procreation. These three things all start with the letter P because I'm a preacher, and that's what we do sometimes. So procreation. When you have sex and make a baby, you're like God. God said, let us make man in our image. So they got together, and they created life. You can't create life, new life by yourself. So number one purpose is procreation. And when you make babies, I think it makes God happy. Whether you're planning on that baby or not, babies are awesome. And I know there's stretch marks and all that, and it's difficult, but it's worth it, right? And by the way, marriage is hard, but just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not worth it. There's lots of hard things that we do anyway, like, you know, go to work, like have children. But we still have children because it's worth it. Marriage is hard, yes, but it's worth it. And let me just tell you this. This isn't in my notes, but the more work you put into it, the better it is. When you neglect it and try to take the easy way out, it gets more and more difficult. But you get out of it what you put into it. All right, so procreation number two is pleasure. We're one of the only animals on the planet that has sex just because it's fun and it feels good. All the other critters do it because they just have to to keep the species going, but not us. We do it because we like it. So pleasure is a purpose of sex. Um, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15 says, Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Can you put the diagram for that up? I'm just kidding. They made you look. Okay. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. In other words, keep your woman to yourself, keep your man to yourself. Fellas, keep it zipped. It's, that's for your wife only. Let your fountain be blessed. You know, God wants to bless it. And rejoice with the wife of your youth. Now, maybe you're waiting until you're in your 30s to get married, and that's fine. It's, you know, it's your business. But I'm glad I got married when I was 22 to a 21-year-old hot mama. And my only regret is, if I could do anything different, I'd have married her sooner. I was, I was watching a, um, a little short vlog yesterday of these two single guys talking about you know, all the great sex they've had, and they're in their late 30s, and they don't want to get married, and da da da, da. And, and it's what's funny, though, is the more they talked, the more they began to reveal how miserable they were. <laughs> and I felt bad for them because marriage is awesome. I highly recommend it. I really do. And, and you think, well, I'm just waiting for the right one. Uh, I'm waiting for my soulmate. Well, let me just speak to that real quickly. If you believe that um, there's only one person out there for you, what if they, what if they didn't marry somebody else? Then you're screwed. Or not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so there's not just one person out there for you. Um, that would be awful. Now, there's lots of people that you're physically compatible with. A whole lot of people. But there's not very many people that you are spiritually compatible with. Oh, well, first of all, let's, get, let's back up. There's not very many people you're emotionally compatible with. That narrows it down. There's not very many people that you're intellectually compatible with. That narrows it down more. There's even fewer people that you're spiritually compatible with. I think there's a small group that you can select from. 
but at the same, because there's some basic things you're looking for. You're not looking for who they are. You're looking for whose they are. That's the most important thing. But that's another summer for another Sunday. But there's lots of people you're physically compatible with. That's why you see other attractive people, and you're like, oh, wow, she's cute, or oh, wow, he's handsome. You're not blind. But my point is, is that that is only one-third of, of marriage, or uh, there's two-thirds that, that are just as important, the spiritual part and the emotional, intellectual part. And so, so uh, I would say that for those of you who say, it doesn't matter. Sex is just, it's just physical. It doesn't matter if I have sex with a bunch of people. Okay, so it's just physical. Like, like being on the wrestling team? Like that's physical. So it's just physical like that? Is that what you're trying to tell me? It's just physical like you know, going to the gym and getting a good workout in. It's just physical? Really? You're not that stupid. I know you don't really believe that. And but you, you, I think you also know that it's not just physical because you know that you're jacked up and you wouldn't be if you hadn't had, had slept with so many people. Okay, so, all right. It is for pleasure, though. It does feel good. It's awesome. And when you're married, you get to... Uh, it's, marriage is kind of like... In some ways, it's kind of like... How, what should we liken marriage unto? How about 7-Eleven? 7-Eleven? Yeah, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of uh, uh, variety there, but it's open at 3 a.m. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe I can come up with a better illustration. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you, she said. Um, should your springs be dispersed abroad? Verse 17, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. I like what one translation says, all the days of your life. When I was dating Adrian, I read this verse to her. I said, number one, you'll never have breast cancer. Number two, I'm going to enjoy them every day. Just get ready. Just prepare yourself. And say, why do men like breasts? I don't know, but maybe it's because we don't have them. But we do, don't we, guys? We just like them. We're just thankful that the Lord put those on you. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. And y'all know why women are so beautiful, right, guys? Because God made Adam, and he stepped back. He was like, I know I can do better than that. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. In fact, the Hebrew word, God made man, it means he grabbed some dirt. and he, the Bible, It actually literally means the Hebrew, he squeezed out. And then he breathed into him the breath of life. He just squeezed him out. But when he took the rib from Adam's side, the Bible says he made woman. So she is from the earth twice removed. And when it says he made, it's not squeezed out like he did man. It's like a, a sculptor sculpting a masterpiece. Totally different word. So your wife is a work of art. Or she's a real piece of work. I don't know however you want to say that. But <laughs> either way, she's awesome. <laughs> okay. So why should you... Oh, it says always be exhilarated with her love intoxicated one translation says for why should you my son be intoxicated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord did you know he's watching you think that's gross not to him if you're married he, he's excited he's, he's happy for you now if you're not married he's watching it's not like you can hide it for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. 
His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. Why some folks are so bound up. He will die for a lack of instruction, and the greatness of his folly will go, in the greatness of his folly he will go astray. It's folly when you sleep around. So I'm not here to condemn you today. I'm here to tell you there's a better way. There's something that's better. So this is my Valentine verse that I read to my wife. It's in Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Uh, SOS, chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. It says, How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince, prince's daughter. Now, this is probably TMI, but my wife has beautiful feet. She does. And then it says, um, I like this next part, The curves of your hips are like jewels. Oh, man, that's so good. The work of the hands of an artist. Come on, somebody now. i got to read through that part quick. I like that part. Then your navel is like a round goblet which never lacks mixed wine. Now, I don't know what Solomon was into, but whatever. Float your boat, man. Your belly is like a heap of wheat. She had wheat belly, and he liked it. Fenced about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns. Here they, here they are again. Brought it back up. He likes them. Two fawns. Twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like the tower of ivory. Your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by the pool of Beth Rabim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon. I guess he is into that. You know, he's like, oh, I like that big nose, girl. Come here. <laughs> the nose of the tower that faces towards Damascus. I don't know why that was important. But your head... Uh, your head crowns like caramel, not the mountain, not the candy. But again, like I said, whatever floats your boat. And the flowing locks of your head are like purple threads. So I guess he had like a punk rock chick. <laughs> the king is captivated by your tresses. How beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your charms. Your st Now this is the verse I read to my wife on Valentine's. I got a word for you, baby. I know, husbands, we need to have a word for our wives. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. I said, I got to climb these branches and grab a hold of that fruit. <laughs> oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the fragrance of your breath like apples. In other words, that's fine and all, but brush your teeth. Well, no stanky breath. Help your sex life if you brush your teeth. So, sex is for procreation. It's for pleasure. You're supposed to enjoy it. And number three, it's for protection. So, what do you mean protection? Um, well, when you are involved, I don't know if I have a confession to make. I don't know if y'all knew this, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a monogamist. I'm involved in red hot monogamy, baby. And you're like, oh my God, I knew something was wrong with him. No, that means I have sex with one woman, it's the one I'm married to. And, you know, they say practice makes perfect. So we just, we just try to practice on a regular basis. You say, why are you telling us this? Because I'm trying to encourage you to have more sex with your wife or your husband. And again, uh, one of the keys, something that will help your sex life is communication. So what do you mean communication? Well, uh, you can say things like, um, I don't like that. Or, no, not there, but there. Or, I like it when you do this. You say, okay, um, well, that's embarrassing. Well, there ain't nobody else around. <laughs> okay? 
All right, we'll talk more about that next week. But sex is it's protection because my wife and I, we will never give each other a sexually transmitted disease. We will never have an unwanted pregnancy. We're protected. She's protected from all other men. I'm protected from all other women. And some women are crazy. <laughs> you want to know a secret? You don't have, I don't have to tell you if you don't want to know. I think you already intuitively know anyway, but all women are a little crazy. You just got to pick the kind of crazy you want to live with for the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean that in a good way, ladies. It's okay. It's okay. So, um, what I wanted you to know today is that sex is like a fire. Why I wanted you to know it is because it'll either warm you or turn your life to ashes. What I want you to do is have sex God's way. And how can I help you remember this? Some of you are thinking, I will never forget this, trust me. <laughs> Whether I want to or not, I am scarred forever. Now, how can I help you remember this? I want you to picture, have you ever been to Hoover Dam? And they've harnessed that river for hydroelectricity. And they actually, all of Las Vegas, which is full of lights and electricity, is powered. Lots of the state of Nevada is powered by the Hoover Dam and that hydro. So I want you to picture a river. And when you put sex in its right place, when it's in the right boundaries, those are the, those are the river banks, marriage then it can produce tremendous power and joy and resources. But when it overflows its banks, I want you to picture Houston when the hurricane came and all, or, or Katrina and the levees broke and you have all these homes with their roofs sticking up over the water. What happened, it's, it's a river that could have been a blessing, but it became devastating. Why? It got outside of the boundaries that it was meant for. So, how can I help you remember this? We want your marriage to be a hydroelectric. We want it to be a fire in the fireplace. We do not want it to be a flood. We do not want you calling 911 to get the fire department there to put out the damage. No, we want it to be a blessing. It's tremendous. What, what did Spider-Man say? With tremendous power comes, great power comes great responsibility, Right? So sex is great responsibility, it's great power, it's for procreation, it's for pleasure, but it's also for protection when it's done properly and done in the right place, in the right boundary. So I want you to keep those pictures in your mind. And I've got one more verse I want to read you before we go today. It's in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 5, and it's from the Passion Translation, and yes, that's a thing. It's a new translation, and I really encourage it. It's, a, it's, it's not like sexual passion, it's like the passion for Jesus, but, but I just thought that was uh, appropriate to read this. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 5. This is Paul, the apostle, speaking to a church that he helped plant. And he says, Now, for my response concerning the issues you've asked me to address, you wrote saying, It is proper for a man to live in celibacy or to not have sex? And he said, Maybe, perhaps. But because of the danger of immorality, not the danger of sex, but the danger of immorality, which is sex in the wrong context, each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife, and each wife should have sexual intimacy with her husband. A husband has responsibility. Let me just cue ladies, get ready to say amen. You ready? <clears throat> Husbands have the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife. 
So ladies, there might be times when you have to say, hey baby, you ain't done yet. Again, we'll talk about that more next week. And wives, likewise, to meet the needs of her husband. Neither the husband nor the wife have exclusive rights to their own body, but those rights are to be surrendered to the other. So don't continue to refuse your spouse those rights, except perhaps by mutual agreement for a specific or, uh, yeah, a specified time so that you can both be devoted to prayer, then you should resume. And remember, this: if you're going to abstain, it has to be mutual agreement. Hey, honey, you want to have sex tonight? No, I'm praying. Uh, well, you can pray later. Or you can pray during. I don't care, but uh, I haven't agreed. It's mutual agreement. And there is a time for that, but it should be a short time. Why? And it, says, it tells us why right here. The Bible is so practical. Then you should resume your physical pleasure... Not physical procreation, but physical pleasure. So that the adversary, the devil, cannot take advantage of you because of the desires or urges of your body. We were made to be sexual. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. We were created to be sexual beings. And again, God gives us the riverbed to express that in, and it's the riverbed of marriage. The place which is the fireplace of marriage. It's a covenant. Sex is for the covenant of marriage. Problem is, too many people having sex without the covenant. That's extremely, extremely dangerous. And here's how I want to close today. Sex is not just physical. It's also emotional. It's also um, spiritual. So every time you have sex with somebody, there is a threefold connection that happens with that person whether it was a one-night stand, whether you can't even remember their name or not, or whether you had a boyfriend for, or a girlfriend for five years, whatever, you lived with somebody. And by the way, a study show us that living together before marriage increases the chances of the marriage failing or the relationship failing significantly. <clears throat> and so whenever you have sex with somebody, there's a soul tie that's created. You bond emotionally, spiritually, and physically with that person. So it's not just physical. So some of y'all got so many emotional transfers that, that have happened that you don't know who you are. I mean, you're thinking, why do I have this anger problem? I, I'm not an angry person. Well, you had sex with somebody that has an anger problem, and there was a transfer that occurred. Or why am I depressed all of a sudden? Every time that you have sex with somebody, there's a soul tie. And remember that old Janis Joplin song? Um, Take another little piece of my heart now, baby. Well, that's what happens. Every time you have sex with somebody, a piece of you, there's a soul tie that happens. And because you're not married, you, you, uh, you leave and you depart, and there's a tearing away. And you leave with something you didn't have before, but you leave behind something that you'll never get back. Unless God supernaturally gets involved and heals you. That's the only way. So, again, this is about purity not virginity, and if you are a virgin, blessed art thou. You have a special opportunity in front of you. But if not, God can restore your purity, spirit, soul, and body. Now, how does that happen? Well, um, you've ever heard the phrase regarding marriage, tying the knot? Where do you think that came from? It came from when you get married, you're literally supposed to enter into a 
physical relationship that creates a so, uh, uh, an emotional connection and a spiritual connection, and you literally tie a soul tie with that person. There are good soul ties. We're supposed to have soul ties with the right people. But when you have so many soul ties to the wrong people, then you're just all knotted up. And so instead of tying the knot, you're just all tied up in knots. And that's why you're so dysfunctional. That's why you're so unsatisfied. That's why you're angry or depressed or just you can't be happy unless you're in a relationship. You're addicted to love, but you don't necessarily love the person that you're with. And so how do you clean all that up? You got to break those soul ties. How do you break those soul ties? It's not that you did it. It's the question that remains is, are you going to submit it? Are you going to bring it to Jesus and say, well, so that's embarrassing. He already knows. So are you going to bring it to Jesus and say, Lord, will you help me with this? Because how many know the, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, he's the great therapist, and he's the only one that can help you with it. So are you going to bring it to him and ask for him to untie your knots? Let me quote one more verse to you, Psalm 23. You know it. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, let me just press pause, and we'll talk about this more next week too. But did you know you can pray about your sex life? Or if you're married and not satisfied, you can pray about it. And God answers prayer. I'm going to testify next week, okay? But you have to come back. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by still waters, and he does what? He restores my soul. But you've got to bring it to him. You've got to bring it to him. And you've got to say, make a commitment that I'm going to stay in the riverbed. I'm going to keep it in the fireplace. I'm going to wait for marriage. If, whether you've waited up until now or not, repent. Re repent of it. Quit it. Forget it. And move on. Leave it in the past. Because your past does not have to taint your future. But that's up to you. So, he that's without sin, throw the first stone or sprout your wings and fly around the room. We're all uniquely screwed up in our own special way. So, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm trying to help you enjoy life to the full. Abundant life in every area. And if you're sleeping around, you are not having abundant life. You have bondage life. So, here's how we're going to close today. This soul tie was supposed to happen with one person. And maybe it's happened to, with one person, but that person's gone now for whatever reason. And I'm not telling you that you can't in your heart love that person, but you've got to have that soul tie severed if you want to move on and be healthy and happy in your future. Because your future spouse or your current spouse deserves all of you. Right? You want me to sing that song right now? All of me loves all of you. Even the messed up parts. But see, but, but you got to bring all of you. You can't leave some of it scattered around, dispersed in the streets with all these other relationships you've had. you got to break those soul ties. you got to ask the Lord to restore your soul so that you can be whole and bring all of you to your relationship that you're in now or to the one that you're believing God for one day. So that's what we're going to do. Maybe you were exposed to something prematurely as a kid. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were raped. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been sexually promiscuous. 
Here's what I want you to do today. Bring your old naughty self to Jesus and let him untie the knots, sever the soul ties so that you can be connected fully here and one day connected fully here to your spouse. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to have a moment of prayer. We're going to let the great therapist, the counselor, the surgeon do what only he can do. So nobody looking around. This is not between anybody but you and God. But I want you to uh, take your hands, put them together in your lap, just like your, like your palms up, like you're giving. I want you to picture yourself in your mind's eye. I want you to picture yourself, and I want you to picture that you are with Jesus right now. And I want you to ask him, Jesus, I want you to just picture yourself giving your heart to him and saying, Jesus, would you untie these knots? Would you untie these knots? And I want you to listen to what he says to you right now. Would you untie these knots, Lord? And then I want you to ask him this. Jesus, would you sever, cut the soul ties that I, I'm not supposed to have? You might even be in a place where you're like, I don't know if I want those soul ties cut. Ah. Look, trust him with your heart. Lord, would you sever every soul tie that I have that I don't need, that I'm not supposed to have? And maybe you know who it's with. Maybe it's with a particular person or two. Say, Lord, would you cut this soul tie that I have with and say their name. Just say it under your breath. Cut it. Say, Lord, take your word that's quick and powerful, that's sharp like a sword. Would you cut this soul tie? I'm telling you, you're going to feel, you're going to walk out of here today. You're going to feel better. You're going to discernibly sense relief because you're not going to be carrying something around anymore that you've been carrying. You're not going to be all tied up and knotted up. You're going to be free. Free to be loved by God and free to love one day who you're supposed to love, how you're supposed to love them. Lord, would you cut this soul tie? Now, I just want you to see yourself giving your heart to Him. And you know what He's doing? He's untying those knots. He's fixing it up where it was broken, where it was battered. He's polishing it. He's breathing life into that heart of yours. And I want you to see him giving it back to you now. Back to you to be a steward of it. To take care of it. To protect, guard your heart with all diligence. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Abundant life. A life that works in every way, in every area. Now, while we're still in an attitude of prayer, perhaps you're here today or maybe you're watching us online and you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never made him the Lord of your life. I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. And if you want me to include you in that prayer, I want you to know right away, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or anything like that. But if you would say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer of salvation. I want to know that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you are today? Let me see who you are. Awesome. Gotcha. Anybody else? All right, excellent. Anybody else want to join these? Come on now. He said, I want to make, I'm not going to embarrass you. Just say, just, I want to see who you are. I want to see who I'm praying for. Okay, I see your hand. I see your hand. I want to make Jesus. I want to know that I know that I know Jesus is my Lord. Awesome, I see your hand. One, two, three, four. Gotcha. Anybody else want to join these? If you're online, pray with us wherever you are. 
uh, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but wherever, wherever you are right now, just join us in prayer. And as we say it together, Harvest Church, let's pray with these four or five people that are, that are calling on the name of the Lord today. Say it with me today. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. Forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. They buried him. But on the third day, you raised him from the dead. You raised me from the dead. And I say, Jesus, you are my Lord. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you were just born again. Out of darkness, in the light. Welcome home.